This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox at Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about the church, go to antiochchurchnc.org. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the home is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. Thank you, Laura Beth, and welcome this morning. Good morning, Antioch. Good morning, those who are visiting with us, those who are here who are not visitors, and those who are with us online, whoever and wherever you may be. You know what we were doing just now when we were singing, right? Do you know what we were doing? We were proclaiming the excellencies of Him who called us out of and into His... Let's look at you guys. We got some Bible scholars up in here. All right, let's see if this thing's going to work here. Jeff, there we go. Peter, Peter, you know, in the first chapter, he exalted in the first chapter in the wonders of salvation. It blew his mind to think about it. It blows angels' minds to think about it. And he exalted in that in the first chapter. Now he stands on tiptoe to exult in the status we have been given in Christ as the people of God, the people of of his own possession, who've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Guys, we could spend three months of sermons just in this passage, right? You you guys realize that, right? You're going, he's going to preach on all these verses in one day? That's not right. You know what? You can preach to yourself every day for the next three months in this passage. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to look at it, study deeper, and memorize it if God should give you Uh, the ability to do that. It's glorious, it's powerful, because this is perhaps the most powerful proclamation in the Bible of who we are as people of God. Why is that important? Well, I like what Sam Storm said about it. He said, most of the struggles Christians face stem from their failure to embrace and enjoy their new identity in Christ. Unless we know who God is, unless we know who we are in Christ, we're going to struggle. Are we going to struggle anyway as Christians? Everybody said, oh yeah, that's part of the plan. In those struggles, we're being refined. Peter talked about that in the first chapter as well. But we will really struggle if we don't know who God is and we don't know who we are in Him and how much He loves us. Let me just put a plug in for Jen and Lowly. If you have not read the book Jen and Lowly, there are free copies on the uh, credenza in the foyer. Pick one up. If you need more for a Bible study, ask me. I've got about a 50 more in my office. 
It is the best book I've read in 30 years, and especially the best book ever I've read, besides the Bible, of course, on who, who Jesus is and how much he loves his people. I challenge you to pick one up and start reading it today. Now, some believe, I think this is interesting because of the day, the day, today, what the day is. Some believe this section of Peter's letter was the core of the instruction that was given to baptism candidates in the church in the first century. Isn't that great? So listen up, baptismal candidates, you four who will be baptized today, but all of us listen up because before you go into the water, you need to know who you are in Christ. And even after we've come out of the water, all of us who've been baptized and are born again, we need to know and be reminded of day by day of who we are in Christ. So I'm going to look at this passage under three main points. This is Jesus. This is us. And wow, this is us. All right, let's talk about this is uh, uh, Jesus first. Notice Peter refers to Jesus as a living stone rejected by men. He is not dead. Amen. He is alive. Jesus was raised from the dead. And that fact is the linchpin of Christianity. That's the stone upon which we stand, upon the cornerstone that he is living. He is not dead. All other gods worshipped in the universe are dead gods created in man's own imagination. But Jesus Christ is real. He lived and he died on a cross and he was raised from the dead on the third day. That's the cornerstone. Twice Peter says Jesus is chosen and precious. Who chose him? God the Father and, and said to Jesus, before in eternity passed, at some point, they had this conversation. He said, you will be the one I send to, to take the sins of mankind upon yourself on the cross. And Jesus said, yes, Father, I will go. He's chosen and precious. And as we come to him, he's chosen and precious to us as well. Peter said, though you have not seen him, none of us have. He said, you love him anyway. He's writing to people in dispersed places, uh, Gentiles mostly, who had come to faith in Christ, and they'd never seen Jesus, but they'd heard the gospel, just like we have, and they believed on him, and they loved him. And then he says, he's precious to us because whoever believes in him, listen, will not be put to shame, but whoever does not believe in him will be put to shame. You know, the reference here is from Isaiah 28, and you cannot fully appreciate that passage where he quotes Isaiah 28 in verse 6 unless you know the context of Isaiah 28. Isaiah, the great prophet, was spoken to by God about the destruction of Jerusalem, and, and what was going to happen was the Assyrians were going to come in. God had raised up an Assyrian army, an army of pagans. He'd raised them up because God is God. He can do whatever He wants for his people's sake, and he does. And they were going to come in and, and, and conquer Ephraim and Jerusalem. In other words, they, they were coming for Israel. And, and it's amazing because the people were saying they have no hope of withstanding an attack because it's God who's attacking them. And the people say, we're fine, you know, well, we're okay, God. We made a covenant with Sheol and with death. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, you, we're, all, we're okay. We made a treaty with the, with the devil. We're going to be fine. God says, it's not the devil you need to worry about. There's a scourge coming, and it will be a sheer terror to them. And the only thing that will stand against that storm that's coming from the Assyrians and God using them, he says, is God's building. 
And he says, behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. The arrogance of human pride is rebuked by the precious cornerstone who is Jesus Christ. You know, God spoke to Isaiah many years later in a different context, but the first of four servant songs he gave to Isaiah about the coming Son of God, Jesus, is found in Isaiah 42. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. I love this. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. I love that. God is a God of grace and patience towards those who are struggling in their faith, struggling in their obedience. He will not snuff them out. He will bring them back to a place where they can stand on that cornerstone. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, not, but not by the Assyrians, right? Not by the atheists, not by the antichrists. That leads us to, this is us. As we come to the living stone of faith. How do we come to the living stone? By faith. Peter says we also are like living stones. And we are, saints, this is us. We are being built up. It's not done yet. We can tell that by just looking around at each other and knowing that we're all struggling in different areas of our lives. We're not done yet. He's building us together as a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. Look at that person beside of you to your left and to your right, that person in front of you and behind you. That person, if they're born again, is a living stone. They're precious to God. Every one of you, you're connected by the blood. We are connected by the blood of Christ. We're connected by the spirit of the living God. A song from my past in the 70s, was called We Are Family. Remember that song? It's a catchy tune. But how is that family held together? You wonder. Yeah. She, well, she tells us. I'm going to quote the song. No, we don't get depressed because here's our golden rule. Have faith in you and the things you do. You won't go wrong. This is our family jewel. Now, wait a minute. Come on. With all due respect to Sister Sledge, if my faith is in you and the things you do, the Assyrians are knocking at the door. We are in trouble. We're in trouble. We are living stones because of the living stone, and it's on Him we stand, and it's in Him we put our trust, not on one another. We're being built together. It's a lifelong building project, and the exciting thing is that there are new living stones being added to the the building that God is putting on the earth every single day because there are people born again every single day around the world. I don't know the number Scott could probably tell us. How many people are born again every single day according to those who keep such statistics? I know some people say they're born again. They're really not. But, you know, it's, it's a lot of people coming to Jesus every single day around the world. And what are they? As soon as they're born again, what are they called? Living Stones connected to the living stone, Christ, the cornerstone, and being built together with us. Every time someone hears Jesus say, come to me, follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me, and they they believe, they do that, they are added 
to God's building. We are family. Some of you may remember Sunday morning, August 1st, 1999, when Antioch was worshiping at what was then Arts Alive and is now Alamance Fine Arts Academy. One of our sons, who was particularly fond of having febrile seizures at very untimely moments, had one in the middle of the sermon. His fever spiked, his eyes rolled back in his head, and pandemonium ensued. Somebody called 911. Police were coming in the front door, and firemen were coming in the back door. And a paramedic had had this kid, and and he was saying, "All right, we're you know we we need to we need to talk to the to the family. Where are the parents?" And they said, "Somebody said they're not here right now. They're at the hospital." He persisted. He said, "Well, I need to I need to speak to the mom or the dad right now." And somebody said, "Not a good idea. She's pushing at the moment." He said, well, i got to talk to somebody who's family. And John Cobb spoke up and said, hey, we're all family here. (laughs) And we are. We're all family here. We are a family being built together as living stones who love each other. We talked about that. We talked about that last week. We love each other, and we're learning to love each other more and more day by day. And it's getting sweeter and sweeter. So if we're being built together, that begs the question, who's the builder? Well, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. By the way, the gates are not a defensive position. We're trying our best to keep the devil out. That's an offensive position. The gates of hell will not prevail as we come storming in there to take people out of that destination with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church is powerful. You know, if, um, if Jesus is building the church, can I ask you something? If Jesus was building a housing development somewhere in Alamance County, how many would want a house in that housing development? Hello? If Jesus was building a shopping center, how many of us would make that our, our, our destination for shopping? We wouldn't go to Aldi anymore. Love Aldi, but we wouldn't go there because Jesus is building. Well, then two questions. Is there anything more important on the earth than his church? What's the answer? There's not. He died for it. He's building it. Second question, you know what's coming. Why are so many believers living solitary lives of worship apart from a local expression of the body of Christ? I don't have an answer for that, and neither do you, because there isn't a good one. There's not an answer. Well, you say, well, they've been hurt by church. Well, (laughs) we've all been hurt by by church. You stick around long enough, you're going to be hurt in this one too. Because there are people here, and people are sinners, and they say the wrong things, and they do the wrong things. But if Jesus is building his church, we can't walk away. We don't have that option. All right, I'll keep going. I'll start preaching here in a minute. We are being built up into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. A house made up of many stones who are all, listen to this, we are all priests. We are all priests. Now listen, 
when, when Peter's writing this, he's writing to Gentile believers, mostly Gentile believers, and they would have been shocked and delighted to hear this news. Wait, we could we we be priests? Are you kidding me? Look, they knew about the Jewish faith, and they knew that in Judaism, not only could a Gentile not be a priest, he couldn't even come past the outer court to worship. In fact, in the eyes of, of the, the Jews... Gentiles' worship was just ceremonial. It was not spiritual. And now, because of Christ, the dividing wall of separation has been torn down. And all who are in Christ can come boldly into His presence. And you're welcome here. And you're invited to come into the presence of God with other believers and offer spiritual Sacrifice. This is not the blood of bull or, or bull or goats. Hebrews says, through him, Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. This week I started classes at Elon and eight, my eight o'clock class at the end of class, one guy walked up to me. He's a big guy, 6'4", 240. He's a defensive end for the Elon football team. And he said, after he waited, everybody was gone. Because there were other people who had questions. But he said, man, I'm so glad to hear that you're a Christian, that you're a pastor. He said, let me ask you something. He said, all I care about, this is a big, burly football guy. He said, all I care about is Jesus. He said, can I, can I talk about Jesus in my speeches? I said, no, we can't do that. I mean, you know, I believe in God. But let me start talking about Jesus. That's, you know, that's going to that's gonna be a stumbling block. I said, brother, please, all. And who's going to stop you anyway? I mean, look, you know, I'm not going to stop you. Talk about whatever you want. But I was thrilled that this young man said, all I care about is Jesus. That's a guy who may be in the league one day. He's, he's probably that good. But all he really cares about is Jesus. Since our worship is daily, we are to offer sacrifice of praise to God daily, every day, all day, as we are going about our daily routine. But that, that means when we come together on Sunday morning to worship Him in song, to worship Him with the Word, to worship Him in giving of our, our tithes and offerings, it should be an explosion of praise in Jesus because we are being built together as living stones who stand on and give glory to the, honor, the cornerstone. Look at verse 7. The honor is for you who believe. Who are you in Christ? Honored. Guys, listen, some of you maybe have a low view of yourself in Christ. You believe that you're kind of an also-ran, you're kind of on the bench, you're kind of, you know, Jesus picked you, but he really was forced to, he didn't really want to. You're just kind of like, you know, like me in kickball when I was in the fourth grade. I was always the last kid picked, smallest kid in my class. And so that's not the way it is. You are honored. He chose you. He loves you. You're not a second-class anything. We know Christ and we believe in Him. And those who don't believe have rejected the cornerstone. To them, Jesus is a stumbling block. He says it here. Jesus has become a stumbling block, even an offense. And to the world, we know that. Maybe to some people in the world, the meek and mild Jesus that they have a picture of on their wall, He's okay, right? right? Or maybe the Jesus is hanging on people's crosses, you know, hanging around their neck. Maybe, maybe He's okay. 
But this one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, no, no, that's, that's a stumbling block. That's an offense. I mean, who, who is this Jesus who, who can tell me what to believe and I got to come to him? That's a stumbling block and an offense to so many around the world. But Peter tells us he is the cornerstone, the only hope, the light in the darkness, the Savior. And this same Peter, when he was arrested, him and John, and brought before the Sanhedrin, the chief priests and all the muckety-mucks of Judaism, he was dragged in there. This is what he said to them. This Jesus, you, want me to, you don't want me to preach about, is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And this is my emphasis. And there is salvation in no one else. And, there, and for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's only one cornerstone. You believe? If so, then you will love this last truth because, wow, this is us. Again, we could spend a month of Sundays in verses 9 and 10. I'm sorry, verse yeah, 9 and 10. Who are we, you and I in Christ? Knowing this and believing this changes everything. Look again, this almost unbelievable description in verses 9 and 10. But it is believable because it's the Word of God and we must believe it. It's not an optional extra. We can't say, well, I believe all that stuff about me except this. I mean, I can't believe I'm these things. No, you are. Look at the family portrait of the church that Peter paints here. We are a chosen race. This is all of grace. Those who come to Jesus by faith have been chosen to do so. We are elect exiles. 1 Peter chapter 1. We say yes to him because the gift of faith is given to us. The wonder of this, the wonder of all this, because some people stumble over that, that we've been given the gift of faith and others haven't. The wonder of all this is not that, that we have been chosen and others has, haven't. The wonder is that anyone has been chosen. Listen, saints, did God have to choose any one of us after the sin in the garden? Did he? Yeah. Look at verse 8. Those who do not believe, as you see in verse 8, choose unbelief. The sovereignty of God, they were destined, is side by side with the responsibility of man. They disobeyed the word. You see that? The people who are not saved and will never be saved have chosen to disobey the truth. God makes that plain in the Bible. And so all we can do is praise God that we are part of the new Israel, the chosen race, and we need to look for others who are part of that chosen race. And, of course, we don't know who they are, so we tell everybody about Jesus. Amen? We are owned by God for His glory. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Here Peter looks back to Exodus 19.6. Exodus 19.6 says, God said to Israel, You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The priests were brought into the closest proximity to, to God. They, they got to be the closest to the place where the, the holy dwelt with men. He tabernacled with men in the Old Testament. And now, now that door is open for all believers. On the day Jesus was, die, uh, was crucified, remember the curtain 
that separated the Holy of Holies from the uh, place where the Jews could worship. Only the high priest could go in the Holy of Holies. What happened to the curtain? Torn in two from top to bottom. There's not a single believer on the earth who has less access to God or more access to God or who is loved more by God or who is loved, loved less by God than any one of us. We all have access to Him perfectly and He loves us completely and perfectly. You know, as I thought about this week, I couldn't help but think about D.L. Moody, a great man of faith who lived a long time ago. He was born into poverty in 1837 in Massachusetts, had a devout mother and an alcoholic father. He was led to faith in Christ by a faithful Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball, when Moody was 17 years old. And so he went to Chicago with the intention of becoming a wealthy businessman. He was going to make it in the world. But he also began a Sunday school in the poorest, most crime-ridden area of the city. And in that needy environment, he discovered that leading children to faith in Jesus was more rewarding than making money. Moody, following the ministries of men like Whitfield and and Finney held great crusades and pe- preached passionately the gospel. Newspaper writers were puzzled as to why this man, who had grammar, re- who had whose bad grammar reflected his fourth grade education, could fill great halls with tens of thousands of people night after night after night. Sometimes the morning newspapers the next day ca- carried the, the the manuscript of his sermon on the front page. His life illustrates the necessity of completely yielding to God. Because once traveling as a younger man in his 20s to England, he he heard an evangelist named Henry Varley say this, the world has yet to see what God can do through a man or woman who is totally yielded to him. And Moody resolved in his heart, by the grace of God, I will be that man wasn't a pride thing. It was a surrender thing. It was a, hey, I'm chosen. I'm a people of his own possession. I'm, a, I'm part of the priesthood. I'm a believer. I'm, a, I'm loved by God. I'm endow, endowed by God with the Spirit of God. I can be that man. I can be wholly surrendered to God. My favorite, my favorite quote Moody said, a holy life will make the deepest impression. Lighthouses blow no horns. They just shine. So we shine as believers more and more as we walk in the truth and proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people and now we belong to God. Once we had no mercy, but now we have been given mercy, not just for salvation, but for every single day. All we can do is praise God. I love that scene in the movie Sound of Freedom. And I couldn't find a picture of it, but if you've seen the movie, you remember the children who've been rescued out of this wicked lifestyle that they had been kidnapped and forced into. What were they doing? They were singing, joyfully singing in their own native tongue at the, at the top of their voices. And one of the rescuers said to another one, he said, you know what that is? That's the sound of freedom. And saints, when we praise God, that's what he hears. He hears from our lips the sound of freedom. Because, because as Paul said in Galatians, to be free in Christ is to be free indeed. Who are we? A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a 
a holy nation, a people for his own possession. What do we do? We proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness. We don't need to go back there and into his marvelous light. Do you believe this? Do you believe you are that person and that we are that people? Everybody say something. Let's pray. Let's take a moment and in the quietness of your own heart, would you, if you've doubted that about yourself and you know you're born again, would you tell Jesus, Lord, I'm so sorry. I have not believed what your word clearly says about me. And Lord, I believe it now. Help my unbelief. Lord, you are so beautiful, and we give you our glory, our praises, our honor. We give you our lives. You who gave your life for us, we give our life back to you. Use it as you will. Forgive us for that part of our lives we've held on to as our own personal little idol. We lay those at your feet right now, and we proclaim the excellencies of you who brought us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. Antioch meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about Mark and the books he's written, go to jmarkfox.com.